I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. everybody uh just a quick update on our murder situation from last week um after we cut recording um i had the brilliant idea that maybe it was um like a shampoo bottle or something that fell in the um guest bathroom because we checked the house over and couldn't find what the noise was and it was a crazy noise so i had been sitting here with a kitchen knife like ready for a murderer to pounce um but Good news, it was uh, Holly's child's bath toys. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> and she mentioned that, and she was like, do you think it's like bath toys, or do you think it's like something in the bathtub? And I was like, oh, I bet you that's it. And so I went to check it out. Sure enough, it's one of those, um, and you parents have probably seen it, or I mean, even if you're not parents, but it's one of those, like it sticks to the wall, and it holds your like toy scooper thing and sometimes the sucky adhesion part kind of just well this didn't just like slide down like it just bam and so that's what that noise was um so sorry about that last week but the good news is we're still alive and Haley didn't kill anybody with my butcher knife listen that would have been a whole nother adventure i love she headed straight to the kitchen i just like let me get that butcher knife. we stood up i said do you have a weapon and holly's like i have a kitchen knife i was like well guess that's it that's what we're gonna fight with i did make her go uh downstairs first well i did have the weapon so yeah I had one of my son's toys. I was gonna. <laughs> what take. did you grab? <laughs> I didn't even see what you had. He has this musical instrument toy that, you know, I I don't even know where I put it, but yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So we were gonna take him out. Well, this guy had a blade and had a musical instrument. <laughs> <laughs> Once you stabbed him, I was gonna, gonna sing a song. Yeah, that. yeah. One, two, three. Oh no. my god. <laughs> Well, okay, so glad it wasn't a murder, just bath toys. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes he'll make noises, and he'll, he likes to hit things against, like, the part of his bed, and, uh, oh, God, what's that noise? And then next I'll hear him singing, uh-huh. and he's, like, making music, and I'm like, really? go to bed. Stop it's scaring me. in the morning. Quit yeah, exactly. Stop that. Oh, my gosh. He's crazy. Well, I'm here to scare you even more. No. With my story. But yes. (laughs) Oh, I'm so, I I don't know what to think. That's crazy. This one's a little bit wild. I love wild. Um, So we are going (laughs) back to Kentucky this week because we just can't get enough of Kentucky. Well, you know, once you heard my story last week, I mean, how can you not? I know. I had to go back to Kentucky. So in Kentucky, we are talking about Mr. Jason Hendricks. Okay. On February 11th, 2015, Jason Hendricks, who was 16, went to church youth group like any other Wednesday night. Uh, Jason gave kids, you know, piggyback rides, worked on learning how to play his new guitar so that he could play some worship songs. Uh, Jason was described as a straight-laced high school junior. He was a member of the ROTC and was a devout churchgoer. So, like, super plugged into the community. Sounds Everybody, like a really good kid. Yeah, like, generally an overall really great kid. 
everybody loved him, you know, just kind of this upstanding 16-year-old kid. Like I was. Three days. Um, <laughs> she just, on that. just went right over it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you were a great kid. Let's move on. All right. Three days after attending youth group, um, Jason loaded up six guns into his mom's SUV, drove 600 miles to Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, Maryland State Police had attempted to stop Jason for a like a traffic violation, speed violation around 10 a.m. Uh, he refused to stop, and a high-speed chase ensued. Uh, he crashed into a car. Uh, at that point, he opened fire on police officers who tried to stop him. One officer was hit with a bullet, and Jason was killed in the shootout. <laughs> so, oh God, okay, so I first thought he was going hunting. Mm-hmm. Like the story about the guns in the car. Like, it was like, oh, okay, sweet kid, never caused an issue, he's going hunting. Uh, yeah, I guess he is going hunting uh, for humans. Um, and then this whole thing escalates. Like, why was he in Baltimore? What the hell? I have so many questions. Well, we're going to answer a few of them. Please do. Okay, so let's talk about his family. Uh, Jason's father, Kevin Hendricks, worked for the Whitley County Circuit Court Clerk as a domestic violence and disability intake clerk. Okay. Uh, He was also an avid beekeeper. Well, hey, you gotta have a hobby. Bees, bzzz. I love that. Uh, His supervisor, Donna Broughton, stated that she had actually gotten a text from him on Sunday night. The text said that he'd come down with something like a sore throat, vomiting. He wasn't Mm -hmm. gonna be at work the next day. Uh, Sarah Hendricks, the mother, was a social worker and a professor at Union College. Gracie, the youngest of the children, was 12. Uh, she is this, you know, happy, normal middle school girl, a cheerleader, you know, kind of same thing as Jason. Happy middle schooler. You don't see that right. often. That's not normal. No, I know. I was not a happy middle schooler. Me neither. I was like the definition of like angsty teen. I was like, just for the love of God, get me through this. <laughs> like, I am so, I hated so it. over it. Yeah. I loved school, but at the same time, I was like, I don't know. You know how kids are like, you're trying to figure yourself out and like, huh. what group do I want to be with? I never really landed in any group. I was just kind of like, kind of floated around. Yeah. I also had childhood epilepsy, so that didn't help. So the second you make a friend, you just, you know, have a seizure. Have a seizure. Yeah, and it's just like, what? <laughs> that's over. <laughs> I guess I'm move on Scared to them. They thought I was dead for a hot minute, and then <laughs> no. that's it. No. It's funny. Now we all joke about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but not back then when it was a sensitive time. No. So the sister was really great. Yeah, sister was really Enjoyed great. Enjoyed middle school. Okay. Loved middle school. She was a cheerleader, you know, super, like, full of life. Just this, like, life of the, life of the party. I know where um, this is headed, but I know. go ahead. There's not really a way to kind of work around it here. Uh, by all accounts, you know, Jason adored his family, and no one at that church youth group on Wednesday night could have imagined that Jason had just murdered his mother, father, and little sister just before coming to church. So he was offering piggyback rides mm-hmm. to these children, mm-hmm. um, but he 
had blood on his hands. He had not, right, you know, right. figuratively. Yeah. So um, he had shot them? Yes. So um, around 4 to 6, around somewhere between 4 and 6 p.m. on Wednesday, uh, February 11th, it is thought that Jason Hendricks shot each member of his family as they arrived home. Police believe that he had put pillows to their faces to muffle the sound of the gunshot. Oh my gosh. Kevin died wearing the jacket and tie he wore to work. It looked like Sarah was attacked on her way in from the garage and was shot twice in the face. Um, Gracie was shot twice through a pillow in the head and once in the arm. So that's just really um, horrific. What's this motive here? That's one of the questions I might not have an answer for. Um, yeah, because he was killed in the shootout. Yeah. Uh, so Baltimore police alerted local police from where they figured out, you know, where Jason was from um, after the shootout. Because he's 600 miles away from home at this yeah. point. Um, and they thought, you know, well, this is weird. Somebody needs to go check on this family. So they sent local police to check on the family. And they found the bodies of all three family members um, on February 14th. So it had been about three days. Uh, The bodies were found where they were killed with um, pillows placed over their faces. Which is oftentimes a sign of remorse when they cover, when killers cover the bodies. um, It's a sign of, you know, remorse and guilt and, you know, I did this thing. I can't look at them. Right. So one motive that had been proposed is that Jason was angry with his parents due to having his phone and computer taken away. Um, He had actually been caught going around the parental controls to access some gaming sites. And some people have suggested that his rage over the punishment led to these killings. But why the sister... She was just there? I don't know. Um, There's another one that I read, and I don't think I put it in here because there's not, they didn't give any kind of like anything to back that up, that stated that there may have been some jealousy Mm. with the younger sister, sister, um, but I, I don't know. Um, another theory comes from one of Sarah's co-workers, who was a fellow um, social worker and professor at the university, um, and he believes it was shame and not rage that brought on Jason's actions. And he kind of goes into this theory a little bit more, um, because the Hendricks had actually began fostering Jason when he was just over a year old. Okay. So they had, he had come to them through... So he was not their biological Right, son. through the foster care system. Okay. Um, they adopted him soon after that. Uh, this colleague believed that Jason, you know, was this kid that was so used to being the almost perfect kid that he had no idea how to handle this disappointment from his parents, and he just snapped, which is a crazy escalation. Um, He also stated the theory that um, it's often thought that adopted children sometimes feel this deeper sense of obligation to their parents, which can bring on this greater need for approval. 
I would think you'd see that more in older kids. Yeah. That have been adopted from the system rather than, you know, really young kids. But I don't know. I don't. Well, and, and, and one has to wonder too. Okay. So just from a mental health standpoint, you know, looking at it is the age when, when mental health issues start to appear tend to be around that 16 to 21 age span, right? Mm -hmm. So not just that, but perhaps, you know, he had some underlying, you know, genetic mental health stuff going on. It was maybe triggered, maybe, I don't know. It's just really interesting. And then, you know, yes, he was adopted. Yes, I guess he had been in foster care, but maybe not a long time. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, maybe there was animosity, um, w- was the sister their bio child? No, the younger sister, I believe, was also adopted. Oh, okay. Okay. Because, I mean, I could see there would be jealousy if one was the bio child and then one was adopted. I don't know. Gosh. Yeah, but I mean, they're... From what I understand, they were they were biological si- siblings, Jason oh. and Gracie. Oh, were, okay. And they were adopted. Okay, so together. I guess birth parents conceived another child later on after he was already adopted and then they lost her to the system as well okay well that makes sense but gosh hmm just fascinating to me it is really interesting and it's you know i think people are just trying to find an answer somewhere somehow so you just kind of put all these theories out there and hope that one of them sticks but at the same time we're never gonna know and it's just it's such a loss for the entire community. I mean, he took out everybody. Yeah. I wonder if he was like, why was why Marilyn? Was he just just driving? Yeah, from what the family like has said, they didn't have anybody in that area. Like Jason didn't know anybody. He was probably just driving in Maryland. So you know, trying why? to get distance. He thought to go up there or was the point of like, you know, I have all these guns. I'm going to drive and drive and drive and then I'm going to commit suicide by cop. And maybe he didn't think that he would get pulled over by the cops. Maybe he just thought that he would kill himself. Yeah. But I mean, six guns is a lot to pack. It's a lot. Unless you're looking for a showdown. Yeah. Which again says he snapped. Yeah, the something know. just completely just... Yeah, he had a psychotic break. Yeah. Something was going 100%. on. Um, there was some reports that said that Jason had actually... Um, and his dad, I think, had gone to their pastor for, like, counseling. Um, just from... And nobody said, like, what the issue was, but there was apparently an issue. They said it was not a major thing. It was a minor thing that, like, a pastoral counselor could handle. Um, so it wasn't, Hmm. which makes me think like, okay, well maybe was it a bigger issue? Right. But, um, yeah, it was everybody that was interviewed after this was totally shocked. They couldn't believe that. Still shocked. It was him that he did it just from all outward appearances. You know, he was very put together and said always don't judge a book by its cover right and you just never know and i think it's it's hard to of like you know the kids that have it together and don't show a lot of 
emotion or, you know, they've, you never have to, those kids that you never have to worry about, you yeah. know, yeah. I was one of those kids, like my, which is <laughs> oh hard to believe now, but like th- through other than like medical concerns, like socially and schoolwork wise, like my parents didn't have to worry about me. Yeah. Like I followed all the rules. I did my work. I make grades. My parents didn't have to worry about anything. Um, I was a super anxious kid. <laughs> Probably because you wanted to please them. Right. I really, I was, my mom used to call me a worry wart mm-hmm. all the time because I would, I would get so stressed out and worried about things that were so clearly out of my control. <laughs> but it, it, check on your kids. Check on young people in your life. You know, I, I heard someone say this a while back and it really is interesting because in our society, we talk about giving people privacy and, and space and you know all these things. And yes, it's important, but at the same time, we need to know what our kids are doing. We need to know what they're up to. We need to know who their friends are. We need to know what going, is going on in their lives. What's going on with them? Talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, because just checking in, like they need that stability for themselves. Um, and you need to know what the heck is going on. Um, and not to say that these parents didn't do that. I mean, no. I would imagine that they probably did. It sounds like they both... I mean, she was a social worker. Right. He clearly worked in a, a helping field as well. So I'm sure, you know, from all accounts, what everybody said, they did everything, quote unquote, right. Absolutely. Um, but it... I don't know. And there always is, you know, sometimes a guilt or shame factor, like maybe something happened to him uh, physically, sexually, emotionally, something where he felt maybe betrayed by his parents, like they didn't protect him, or something that happened that sort of ripped that him feeling like I'm a good upstanding kid, and then it just had some ramifications. I don't know. And maybe some of the parents didn't even know about. Yeah. I mean, I feel like from what I've read about these two people, if they would have known something like that had happened. They would have done something. Oh, yeah, 100% like would have been on that mm. from the go. I mean, so I don't I don't know. And I wonder, too, like, you know, I it goes back to that nature-nurture conversation, too, of, like, I don't believe people are born bad. No. But is was there a genetic component of, you know... Schizophrenia, or you know, just some type of psychosis. Yep. That just for some reason. And even taken out of the potential. So, had he been raised by his birth parents, what that, what potential harm he could have had, you know? And now he's put into this home where he's loved and safe and all these things, and they're upstanding citizens, and yet. This this happens. So, mm-hmm. yes, it does beg the question, nature or nurture. I don't know. I don't know either. It's it's a lot to unpack. And I think both of us being in the mental health field want, like, a really solid answer. Yes. <laughs> of, like, we want to know the why. We're problem solvers. We want to know, like, what, what went wrong here, what happened. And it could just be that. I mean, I've worked with young adults and even young kids who've had dissociative episodes 
Right. And have hurt people. Yes. In that state and have, you know, destroyed property and, you know, like physically injured other people. Well, and you have to remember, I mean, even you said they got him very young, right? Mm -hmm. Like baby. a year old. Or a year old. Okay. So, you know, trauma, trauma affects us in utero. Yeah. You know? So if your, you know, birth parents were fighting and and abusing each other while you were in utero, you are hearing that. You are taking on that anxiety. Those are things that are still present for you. So it always is funny to me that people are like, well, that baby doesn't have any trauma. They're a baby. Well, of course they have trauma. Of course you do. I mean, even just the removal is... Oh, the most traumatic. The removal event. is is traumatic, traumatic absolutely. And to be a year old, a year means that a year of your life was spent with these other people who were your family, and then you were removed and put with strangers. Could you imagine that? You know, um, so you know he did have trauma early on. You know, was that something that they had kind of worked with a therapist? Did they recognize that? A, a lot of people really don't. Um, and here I am, my therapist talk. But yeah. And I would assume that they probably did, just from their own backgrounds. True. Um, but still, I mean, it doesn't... You know, therapy's great, and having hey, hey. all this awareness is great. But Thanks. it's not always a fix-all. It's not, because, all right, yes, I have this knowledge. What do we do with it? Yeah, and things can still happen. I mean, clearly. I mean, from, like I said, from all accounts, this family did everything, quote unquote, correct. Gosh, and, and, you know, I don't want this story to discourage people from adopting or fostering children because, you know, I think that's, you know, I've heard of people who do that. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I worked in, you know, in a previous life I've talked about working in hospice I worked you know foster care and you know got the opportunity to meet a ton of foster kids kids who were in care and you know like some of the coolest kids I've ever met like especially the teens I love working with teenagers they're like the coolest kids (laughs) and like just the conversations you'd have and you know learning about they're like they did have a ton of trauma but they were like I mean, just really, really awesome kids. Mm. So I definitely miss that part. So see that, that, you know, spurs you on. So if you're out there and thinking, oh, my gosh, I just heard this story, so maybe I shouldn't foster. (laughs) This is uh, one of those, like, I mean, but it's the same thing of, like. Anything. I mean, I shouldn't get in the car because I might get in a car accident. I shouldn't go on this date from, you know, Christian Mingle. You know, like, I mean, it's, right. it's kind of all those things, you know, you yeah. just, you never know, but, um, this is one of those like one in you know, a million stories that happens. I, I mean, didn't know you worked in foster care. Yeah. Hmm, how did. cool. You learn something new every day. Yeah. What a journey that was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like, it was my first job out of grad school and I learned how to be a social worker. Cool. And that job. Right. I was a baby social worker. A baby social worker. I was a baby social worker. Wah, wah. God, oh. I was a, was a baby. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. Oh. But um, all that to say, there. Um, I do want to kind of end this on a probably a note that will make you cry. Because um, I like <laughs> sobbed the whole time I read this. Great. 
So the Hendricks, Hendricks actually had two older children, um, Fred and Lizzie, and they were away at college at the time of the murders. They made a statement to the public thanking everyone for the support and love um, and that they could really feel, you know, how much their parents, Gracie and even Jason, had meant to everyone in the community. The family chose to have all four of them, Kevin, Gracie, Sarah, and Jason, side by side at a joint funeral service. Mm. And they chose to have them all buried together. Because they believe that that's what their parents would have wanted. That is really beautiful. It is, and it's like breaks my heart a little bit. Like Definitely. And it just shows, you know, in all the just absolute pain you would feel, Mm -hmm. that they were still willing to just love him unconditionally. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, that that family was able to... I don't know if I could have done that. Like, the anger you would feel. The resentment. I mean, these two older children just, they lost, you know, their whole family. And to be able to put that one act to the side and do this for their family and for themselves. I yeah. mean, gosh, that, that takes so much strength. I just, I, I commend you. That's what respect I have for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And one quote, I think that kind of sums up this really horrific case. Um, it's from Terry Singer, who was the Dean of the university of Louisville Kent School of Social Work, um, he said, quote, there's no takeaway, just sadness. I suppose that's one of the reasons I stay in this business is that I hope that we can find ways to prevent this. But people are complex and problems are complex. I know we really desire to wrap them up neatly because if we can understand it, we can control it. And it's never that simple. I think that is a perfect quote. Yeah. It is true. I think we want a nice little bow we want the happy ending at the story. Not even the happy ending, but the ending for the story so we can have closure for ourselves. And for it to make rational sense. Exactly. Because this doesn't make sense. No. It doesn't. That, you know. And usually we hear these stories of, you know, something like this happening. And then you later find out, you know, oh, they were horrifically abused or mm-hmm. they were, you know. But that's not the case here. Yeah. You know. Or something that had been leading up to it. Right. Like, you know, he'd been getting in trouble with the law or, you know, with his parents a yeah. lot. And it's like he had one, from what it has been said, he had one teenage mess up. He snuck around parental controls to play a video game. Yeah. Like, that's what teens do. Yeah. I'm like, and these, you know, parents were clearly able to control, like, handle that. You know? Right. You know, the natural consequence. Okay, you've lost these privileges. Get them back later. Yeah. So it's hmm. just what... This one kind of kind of wrecked me a little bit. I can see that. Yeah. I, I totally see that. Because it's... It doesn't make any sense. And no matter, like, how many different articles I tried to find, I'm like, there's got to be an answer in here somewhere, and there's not. I mean, the only thing I can come up with is it was just a a 
total, you know, dissociation psychosis Mm -hmm. that he stayed in until he died. I think so. I mean, it makes most sense. The irrational, just driving, putting all the guns in your car. I mean, unless you were looking for a standoff, and I don't really know if he was or not. You know, and it could have been not just a psychotic break, a a series of psychoses. It could have also been something like um, a schizophrenic break where he was hearing voices Mm -hmm. and they were telling him to harm his family. Again, like I mentioned, that is the prime age for schizophrenia to start showing itself if it is present. You know, perhaps he tried um, some type of substance as well. There is a correlation between mental health and then, you know, using a substance that sort of starts this mm-hmm. um, and sort of engages this. Um, so who's to say, you know, maybe he was scared that if he didn't kill them, that they would be hurt. Um, sometimes the voices will say, you know, you need, it, especially if it's from a religious standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't send them to heaven, the devil will come and take them. So mm-hmm. maybe he thought he was doing this to spare them, to save them. I really don't know, but I, I think that's fair that he was in some dissociative state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... and seemingly i mean we didn't have any from what we've heard any evidence that points that he had had any kind of psychotic breaks in the past or any you know mention of um any other psychosis and i mean kids like like this that are you know your quote-unquote like perfect kids are really good at masking Mm. they're really good at making you believe that everything is totally fine I would I would do that as a young person of everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine until it's not fine yeah and then you like one like somebody you drop a fork or something and you just have a total meltdown <laughs> um I think <laughs> yes I think that's me yeah I've done that I do that into adulthood actually <laughs> yeah I do too I do too of honestly I'll think I'm fine you know and I'm like I got this I got this I got this. <laughs> And then it's something little, you know, like literally a shoe drops. And I'm like, I don't got this. I don't have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, take care of yourselves. Um, The holidays are coming up and it can be a really stressful time for a lot of people. And, you know, family conflict is real. And murder does increase at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sure does. So... You know. So just take care of yourself. And yeah, and and recognize if you know if you need somebody, if you need some support, please reach out. There are so many people who are available that can help. There are, and there's some really awesome, um, especially. I mean, one thing that COVID did bring us is some really great online mental health yes. options. You don't even have to leave your house. You do. You can do everything. You know, on your phone, they have even ones where you can text with a therapist. Oh, nice. It's that way, yeah. like. You don't even have to talk to them directly. <laughs> I mean, like, oh my lord! I'm glad I'm not doing talk uh, text therapy because, <laughs> land sakes, I do a talk to text, and usually it's something totally like like that's not what I meant, and like that's off not the wall. yeah yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure they would be like, "What did she just say?" So yeah, I I'm down with the Zoom. Yeah, yeah I do that, but I definitely don't think I could do text. I, I don't think it would work well for me. 
like to do it for like a therapy method like if I was it would be hard to process your trauma via text but I think for some people being able to write it out is very helpful well and some people who have just this massive anxiety of you know in person in person or even talking to somebody about it like it Mm -hmm. does kind of take a level of it back yeah so I definitely think it's a great place to start if you're really nervous about talking to somebody maybe try texting first and then yeah transition into more of a I think you do probably get more out of a like conversation yeah with somebody but not to say that that's not a great place to start all right that's right. the end of this story. <laughs> God, it has to be. All right, so, Haley, do you have a shout-out this week? I do. Um, I know we did Kentucky last week, but I'm going to do another Kentucky. It's okay. Uh, how about Paintsville? Paintsville. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder if they saw a lot of paint. I hope so. That'd be pretty cool. If not, you really missed a prime. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't. Exactly. Um, exactly. Ah! Well, y'all know how to get in contact with us by now. Um, uh, yeah, so email us, you know, Facebook, Facebook Instagram, all those things. Patreon. Yeah, you can. I'm going to try it myself. Are you ready? You got it. Usually I let Haley do it, but I'm going to try See, it. I so, memorized. <laughs> you can email us at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. You can find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And of course, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mountainmysteries. Did I go? Yeah. yeah. I write it over and over when I do my social media uh, posts. Yeah. And one would think I would just copy and paste every week, but I don't. I probably should. Oh, I do. Nonetheless, you know, so that's why I know it so well. Anyway, but, um, and Patreon is cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, Check out our Patreon. You get episodes that you don't get on the regular podcast because we actually do extra. We do. Yeah, so check us out. Cool story. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. I know it was really sad and really awful and, (laughs) you know, um, wish that family so much peace and definite peace yeah i don't mm. even know how to end that um anyway uh y'all have a good rest of your week odd segue but yes <laughs> have a wonderful week and we will see you back here for episode 65 yes i think sure. so yeah all right have a great one bye bye